From the studios of Advancing Vibrant Communities in Modesto, California, this is Lighthouse Live Radio on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. Welcome to Lighthouse Live, the radio voice of advancing vibrant communities. Our mission is to motivate believers to move out from the four walls of the church to personally serve the needs of their neighborhoods. Get ready for a no-holds-barred, honest look at the Christian lifestyle the way Christ commanded it to be. All that and more coming right up here on Lighthouse Live. Good evening to you, wherever you may be. Pastor Mike Douglas here. Welcome to Lighthouse Live, and uh, so good to have you with us as uh, we've all done our summer vacation thing here on Lane. And, uh, uh, back, uh, back. For yourself. No. Yeah, well, we're back here into civilization. Yes. Good to have you with us after the Independence Day break that we take every year. Mm. And a special welcome to those of you listening around the world to the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. We so much appreciate you being with us. And uh, today we kind of look at uh, another case of how God connects the dots in someone's life and just kind of brings it all into focus at some point and you look back rod lannis and you say wow you know i didn't realize when god had me doing this and that that it was all leading up to this and uh, later uh, later this evening we'll be talking with uh, rod about what god is doing in his life and the powerful way that uh, also uh, god has used you rod to affect young people Remember what about uh, a year ago? I think it was we partnered together to uh, uh, do a leadership group with uh, with high schoolers, and uh, that was just a, a fantastic opportunity. We'll be talking about that and more, but uh, right now let's check in with our friends from Voice of the Martyrs. What will people think when they hear that I'm a Jesus freak? What will people do when they find that it's true? Hey, what's up? This is Toby Mack with the Challenge for Jesus Freaks. What do you get? A country that needs everything? Muslims from the north have been raiding, burning villages, and killing Christians in southern Sudan for more than 20 years. But Christians still live with hope for the future. In recent months, the Voice of the Martyrs has supplied thousands of survival kits of food, soap, medicine, mosquito netting, gardening tools, and more. 15,000 solar-powered radios so villages can listen to Christian programming, plus equipment and expertise to drill several wells, bringing clean water to orphanages, clinics, and schools. Strategically, all this aid points Sudanese families back to the local Christian church. For ways you can help, go online to persecution.com. You know, Elaine, as we listen to that, that's really what it's about. What we're doing here uh, domestically is what Voice of the Martyrs uh, uh, is talking about uh, in Sudan. You know, when, when you reach out and you meet the physical needs of a needy person, you know, they see Christ and they see the church in a whole different way. And uh, and, and, and Peter rolls this out in, in his books and, you know, talking about the fact that when we reach out and we meet other people's needs, 
people are watching. That's right. And ultimately, they will call upon the Lord on the day that he visits us because of what we've seen. The non-believing community takes notice of what we're doing is we reach out in the name of Christ with no strings attached. Mm -hmm. And that's so important, isn't it? That's right. To reach out and and, and not have any strings attached, but just reach out with the love, grace, and and mercy and compassion of Jesus Christ. And you see so little of that happening around the world today that when it happens, it's a significant thing, whether it's in Sudan or here uh, in Stanislaw County in in little old Modesto. So, Well, friends, we're going to check in uh, now, too, to see what's happening on the legal front with our friend Brad Dacus from the Pacific Justice Institute. It's time for The Legal Edge, a look at your rights as a Christian, a parent, and a citizen. And now, with a look at what's happening on the legal front, the president of the Pacific Justice Institute, Brad Dacus. Freedom is a gift from the Almighty, written in the heart and soul of every man, woman, and child. And we must continue to promote the importance of religious freedom at home and abroad. President Bush stated this in his proclamation and recognition of Religious Freedom Day. Pacific Justice Institute joins the President in urging Americans to reflect on the value of our religious freedom with appropriate observances at home, school, neighborhoods, and houses of worship. Let us never forget that this resolve should be with us every day. I'm Brad Dacus. To find out more about The Legal Edge, call 916-857-6900 or log on at pacificjustice.org. And back with you here on Lighthouse Live, Mike Douglas, along with our co-host and producer, Elaine Harlan, and, of course, our prayer intercessor, the inimitable Mr. Owl, Al Ramsey, with us as well. And uh, thank you for being part of the ABC family. Also joining us uh, just after having his birthday is Big John. <laughs> yes. Big so John, fun. the Energizer Bunny <laughs> from Advancing Vibrant Communities, Lighthouse Live Radio, with us as well. And, Elaine, have a couple of uh, new opportunities to serve. We do, Pastor Mike. First of all, the uh, Kaiser Permanente and United way are teamed up for the Neighbors in Health 2007. Now, this is a free community uh, health affair uh, for the medically uninsured and underinsured. It will be held on Sunday, August 19 from 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. at Kaiser Permanente Central Valley Facilities in Manteca, Modesto, and Stockton. Now, the medical professionals will provide free services, including a dental exam clinic, children's clinic, and this is uh, free immunizations, and medical, dental, hearing, vision, school entry, and sports exams, women's exams and men's physicals, uh, adult chronic conditions, diagnosis, blood pressure, cholesterol, diabetes, and all those kinds of uh, examinations. No charge for laboratory and pharmacy services, uh, and this is a one-day fair only, plus referrals, no-cost or low-cost services for follow-up exams. Volunteers, and this is our aha moments right here, uh, are needed to assist in all aspects of the fair. Uh, Interpreters uh, also to assist physicians uh, with patient contact. Now, three volunteer shifts are available from 7 in the morning until 5 in the afternoon. Uh, Volunteers are also needed to assist with setup on Saturday the 18th. So uh, you might want to take an opportunity to get involved this way. Here's something fun. The Carousel Therapeutic Writing. Share your love of horses with disabled children. Ooh, I like that sound. Can you do that again, Mr. Al? Ooh, Mr. Al's good. doing sound effects. Yeah, right isn't outside. that cool? I like that. See what he did while you were gone? He was practicing. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad I'm back. <laughs> glad you're back, yeah. Now, volunteers ages 13 years and up are needed to uh, commit to a couple of hours a week to work with and assist rides uh, during the uh, therapy sessions. Volunteers walk in the arena beside the riders who are on horseback, of course, 
horse and lead horses, play games with riders and groom the horses. And uh, you run entirely by volunteers, this whole thing. Carousel is a nonprofit corporation organized in 1986 to introduce horseback riding as therapy and recreation to children with special needs in the community and is an accredited operating center and a member of the North American Riding for the Handicapped Association. What fun that is. And, and very effective, too. Yeah. It's, a, it's an awesome way to serve. All right. And uh, then there is the Reading Works Adult Literacy Program. Volunteers spend just a couple hours per week increasing students' basic reading skills, utilizing an easy-to-follow phonics-based curriculum. Reading Works is providing a tutor orientation Wednesday, July 25th from 6.30 to 8 p.m., followed by a tutor training on Saturday, July 28th from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m., and both will be held at the Modesto Library Downtown Auditorium. Volunteer tutors are needed from throughout Stanislaw County, especially in the Turlock area. Reading Works is a partnership of the Stanislaw County Library and the Stanislaw Literacy Center, providing free literacy services to adults who need to improve their basic academic skills in our county. And, of course, there are lots more opportunities, and if you'd like to take advantage of these, call our friend Barbara Borba. She's at 209-524-1307, extension 113. Again, 209-524-1307, extension 113. We also want to pass along uh, this little uh, bit of information from the Teen Challenge. It's a Christian men's home, and they are having their second annual giant yard sale. Who doesn't love a yard sale? This is going to be held on Saturday, August 4th from 7 to 4 at the Faith Home Teen Challenge Ranch. And that's located at 6643 Faith Home Road in Ceres. You're going to come out and support the ministries of Teen Challenge and help restoring men from healing families. They accept good saleable items items of value. And for more information, you can call 537-0606, and that's extension 10. And again, this is for Teen Challenge, and it's their second annual giant yard sale on August 4th, Saturday at 6643 Faith Home Road in Ceres. And uh, once again, contact 209-537-0606, extension 10. You know, and what a great ministry to support. Indeed. You know, we've had Dennis Whitman, uh, right. the, the regional director mm-hmm. here on Lighthouse Live, and they really do have a tremendous impact upon the lives of young men who, whose lives are really being torn apart by uh, drugs and, and the addictions and all the things that, that go with that. What a powerful way to serve others and, and, and a way really to affect some lives and some really hard-to-reach people. I've never been down there to take a tour of uh, that, that Faith Home Ranch. That is really an exceptional facility. Interesting how God has used that in a variety of different ways over the years. It really is. And I've toured the area. It, it is a wonderful place. Uh, quite large, actually. Very large and, and some great facilities for these young men. And uh, how God you know, passed it from one ministry to another, mm-hmm. and we're so happy that the Teen Challenge now has the opportunity to uh, take advantage of that. Well, we are just thrilled to have with us tonight a dear friend and uh, just uh, want to give a big, warm welcome to Rod Landis. And Rod and I were uh, chatting before we went on the air tonight, and just want to thank you for taking the time to be with us, Rod. And I was telling him that, uh, you know, one of the things that come to my mind when we uh, think of you, Rod, is the encouragement that you give to others. Amen. And, uh, you know, and that's one of the things that as the body of Christ we are to do is to encourage one another. And I want to thank you for that. Oh, I'm glad to be here. Thank, I really am. Yeah, thanks for coming to share your story. And uh, uh, your story goes way back, I know, and how you work with uh, particularly the young people. Mm-hmm. Thanks mm-hmm. for that. Well, you know, I've, I taught for 14 years in the public school. I taught at Byer, and then I went to Johansson. 
And I had about 3,000 of my former students or students under my uh, tutelage. And since I've been out of teaching for the last two years, I've probably seen about 100 of my former students. And I just saw one that I taught my first year at Bayer. Mm-hmm. And I, we both kind of looked at each other. And, of course, you change over the course of 15 or so years. But it, it's just very refreshing to see kids. I'm just always excited to see what they're doing and where they're going. And, you know, they're, a lot of them are older and married and have kids. And it's just mm-hmm. a great, great uh, uh, enjoyment that I've had in seeing them. And, and one thing that, that since I've been out of teaching, when I left, I, I didn't leave because of kids. I just left because I, I was just ready for a, a new challenge. But since I've seen them, they all say, oh, you quit teaching. You were the best. Oh, mm. you were the best. Mm. And I have a hard time believing that I was the best <laughs> from their perspective. But uh, when you hear it enough, you think, well, maybe that's that's my calling. That's where I need to be. So I'm, I'm reinvestigating that uh, even as we speak at, at this point. Well, what a great opportunity, Rod, especially in the public school system, to be able to uh, be Christ to people and, and without hitting them over the head with it, yeah. obviously, yeah. And, yeah. And, and functioning within the – the boundaries uh, that you have. How have things changed? You you were there for uh, over a decade, about a decade and a half. How how did how did things change uh, in, in your mind as you looked at kids during that decade and a half? As you started out, what type of cultural things may have changed that you think uh, maybe made it a little more difficult uh, for uh, uh, believers to function in today's society, or or maybe even a little more difficult to. Uh, to reach teens um, over over the past 15 or so years? Well, I'm not sure that I can put my finger and say this change or that change. I don't think that I, I definitely have changed in 15 years just <laughs> yeah. in my own understanding of who I am oh, yeah, and what I sure. bring to the table. But I know that the Christian has such an opportunity to minister just by their lifestyle, just by who mm-hmm. they are. They don't even have to say, I'm a Christian, I go to yeah. church. They don't even have to do that. Um, they know by your language, by your actions, by your care, by your compassion, by by your appearance, many different things that are different from the world, so to speak. And I think that that calls us out. Um, but I know that I, I've listened to a lot of uh, Dennis Rainey's material of family life, and he made the comment that he sends his kids to Christian schools because he says if, if we pull our kids out, Mm-hmm. The salt is gone, mm-hmm. and that's what we are as Christians. We're salt in a mm-hmm. dying world, and so often we think, well, it's good and so bad, I've got to be careful. And, yeah, we do have to be careful, but I think we lose a great ministry mm-hmm. opportunity by removing ourselves from people who don't know Christ. Mm-hmm. I think that's huge. A lot of influences today that, that weren't there, you know, when we went to school. We've got the Internet. Yes. Uh, information is coming at our kids yes. from a... A uh, hundred more different ways yes. than it used to. Yes. How, how is that affecting? Uh, how does that affect you as a teacher with all these different uh, uh, multimedia uh, avenues of information coming at the kids? And, and you're one. I mean, it used to be yeah. when yes. you know when we're learning, we had the teacher at school, we had yeah. our parents at home, and yeah. that was about it. And, you know, those of us who weren't allowed to watch television <laughs> much yes. didn't yes. get much from there. Yes. But today, you've got all this information. Uh, coming at kids, uh, does that, is that a benefit or is it a double-edged sword, do you think? Well, I think it's obviously a distraction because mm-hmm. I have so many things I've got to compete with. I have mm-hmm. iPods and cell phones right. and yeah. Internet mm-hmm. and video games and just tons of stuff out there that we didn't have 20 years ago. Sure. But because of that, I think there's also another opportunity mm-hmm. to reach through that. Um, you know, I guess I'm of the mindset at this point that, 
there's a lot of hurting kids out there, a lot of hurting people out there. And so a lot of times they will drown out the hurt with music or with noise or with stuff. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times it's interesting. Uh, It's in 2 Kings, I believe, where it talks about Elijah wanted to see God or something. He said he puts, puts him in the mountain. Or in the cave, and he said, you know, it's, you're, I'm not in the storm, and I'm not in the fire, and I'm not in the thunder, but then a still, small voice. And a lot of times, we forget to be silent. And I, for most of my life, have, have resisted silence because I don't like it. Yeah. Because it's, it's scary. You want that distraction. Yes. Huh? But yeah. now when I know that that's where God is, then I'm, I'm, I'm finding a point where I want to be silent more and meditative more and spend time reading his word and just getting to know who God is. Because for so long I thought him as an unapproachable, far out person. And the more I get to know him, the mm-hmm. more I want to know him. And it's very exciting for me in my own personal spiritual journey. Looking for that still mm-hmm. small oh, voice. Oh, absolutely. How do you relate to these kids these days, Rod? <coughs> Well, when I realize they're hurting, you know, one of my, I guess I'm feeling called the minister just by who I am, not necessarily from a preaching ministry, but but a ministry to hurting souls. Uh, Henry David Thoreau said a long time ago, he said, the mass of men live lives of quiet desperation. Mm-hmm. And when you realize that most people are discouraged, depressed, frustrated, mad, angry, not satisfied with life, well, we as Christians have an answer for them. We have, we have the, the, the answer. And we have we have to get it out there because, as as people observe who we are and what we bring to the table, we're different and we yeah. have something. And why are you so happy? And why aren't you upset by this? And why you know why? I said, well, because <laughs> I have faith. I have faith in an unshakable God. And yet, within the church, <clears throat> we see so much of that in our pews, and I think that that uh, speaks to the, that that din of distraction yes. that we were talking about yes. a moment, moment ago, even within the church, that our worldview gets skewed a little bit, even within the Christian community. Yes, absolutely. Because of all this other stuff that, that's coming at us, we don't take that time yes. to really sort out what we believe and why we believe it and how it applies uh, how it applies to our life. And I, I think that's where we get in trouble as the Christian community so often is we don't want the world to really intrude, but mm-hmm. we let it, mm-hmm. and it does distract us, mm-hmm. and we do get off uh, be, because uh, off base because our filter gets skewed just enough mm-hmm. that, that we don't see things really clearly through mm-hmm. God's eyes anymore, and searching for that uh, that peace. Mm-hmm. That passes all understanding becomes very, very difficult with all these distractions coming in. Well, you know, I think about this from a teacher perspective. If if I'm a kid and I live in a home where my dad beats my mom all the time or I don't have food or I don't know if uh, I'm going to get beat up or if I'm going to get a drive-by or if I'm even going to have a place to stay, uh, if I were in that situation, I would care less about Huckleberry Finn or irony or any of those kind. I, I wouldn't care. I wouldn't care about getting my homework done. I'd be wanting to survive. Sure. And unfortunately, we, we have a, a class of people and a bunch of kids out there that are just surviving. They're just hanging on. And so what happens is, and maybe they say, well, I can't read or I'm a troublemaker. And so that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to be really good at being a troublemaker. I know I can do that. But I can't sit here and concentrate or I can't sit here and understand. I relate to that. Um, I'm convinced 
that the best teachers are the teachers who had to struggle through school. Mm. And I think the, the tougher teachers are the ones who ha- got straight A's. They don't, they don't know how to motivate somebody who's unmotivated. Mm. It frustrates them. Mm. Well, I, I've been there, and I say, you know, how many of you hate English? Well, I hated English, too. How many of you have troubles? Yeah, I do, too. And so I can relate to them sure. so I can speak their language a little differently. Uh, another thing I tried to do as an educator is the first day of class, I'd always say, you know what, if what we do in my class doesn't help you outside these doors. I said, we're wasting our time. And so I'm going to try to make sure that everything we do, and so we didn't talk just about characterization. We'd always talk about how does that apply to you. For instance, um, we read uh, Patrick Henry's speech, Give Me Liberty or Give Me Death. And so the question that I would ask is, what would you be willing to die for? He was willing to die for liberty. What would you be willing to die for? People would be willing to die for a color of a rag. They'd die for their faith. They'd die for their friends. They'd die for the color of their skin. They'd die for crazy stuff. You know, and so so it was an opportunity to say, well, what, what, you know, and, and think about that. Um, Martin Luther King said, if a man hadn't found something for which he's willing to die, he hadn't fit to live. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I like to think a lot of that, mm-hmm. those kinds of questions. I'm I'm probably pretty philosophical in a lot of ways, but but I like to to think about the questions that nobody has answers for. Mm. We were talking a little bit earlier, Rod, about rejection. Now, yes. uh, do you share a little bit about that with them in regards to your past? Well. When I was teaching, I didn't understand my story. But in the last year, I've come to understand. Uh, we had an opportunity to go to a conference in Denver. And the, the guy who wrote, he wrote a book called Angry Men and the Women Who Loved Them. Oh, yeah. And another one, I forget what it's called, something about adult troubles or something. Anyway, he made the point that if a child or a person is rejected, has incest, has sexual, physical, or emotional abuse, that they're stunned two years emotionally past the event. So, for instance, if I was rejected at age five or three or two or whatever, then I never go past like a four-year age. And so I can't put a specific point what happened in my life, but I think I was rejected just because my folks were busy and, and they didn't know a lot of the things that we know today. And so I've kind of suffered through that all my life. Well, if you're rejected by your parents or feel rejected, you feel ugly, you feel stupid, you feel unworthy, you feel everything. Uh, for some reason in my life, I got the impression that whatever I did, I couldn't, I could never do it good enough. Hmm. Whatever it was, it was never good enough. And so, if it's never good enough, you never step out and try new things ever. Well, I, I've, I've been doing enough reading, and, and God has revealed it to me that uh, I am good enough, just how I am. I don't have to prove anything to anybody. Well, that's a great, that's a great stress reliever. That's a great yeah. opportunity. Well, when I realize that other people are going through exactly what I'm going through. I can minister to them because I've been there. And Lane talked about we comfort with the comfort which we've been comforted with. And if we've never felt the comfort, how can you help people? Mm-hmm. You know. And well, I don't, don't you think that's why God allows us to go through those valleys? Well, that's what yeah. I'm. That's what I'm. Learning. One of the reasons why He allows us. That's to go what I'm ways. learning. It's it's uh, the perfect parents are never going to be good enough because God is the perfect parent. Yeah, and because I didn't have perfect parents. I thought, well, God can't supply my needs. But it's interesting. I turn to uh, Psalm 119, and it talks uh, in verse 50, This is my comfort and my affliction, for your word has given me life. Uh, Verse 67, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. 71, It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. Uh, 75, And that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. Let I pray your merciful kindness be for my comfort according to your word to your servant. That's what drove me back. It was when I was the deepest in discouragement and depression and like I, I, I can't do it. That's when you start seeking the word. But if you see God as that kind of like the thumb on you're going to squish you kind of a God, 
you don't want to get close to God because you fear him just like you fear other people. Mm. Well, through this, it drove me to a word and over and over about his loving kindness and he loves me and he saved me and redeemed me. Um, you talked about a little bit ago about bondage a little bit. I kind of forget what you were talking about, but it reminds me of the book The Bondage Breaker. Mm-hmm. I read that by Neil Anderson, yeah. and I just started eating that stuff up because it was speaking to me. Yeah. And he talks about the fact that what we do doesn't make us who we are. Who we are allows us to do what we do. And so, yeah, I sin, so I'm a sinner. Uh, it talks about in Proverbs, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Well, if I think I'm a nobody, I act as a nobody. But if I'm a child of the king and I'm redeemed and sanctified and glorified, I act in that regard. And so it, it takes the movement from the head to the heart. And I've had head knowledge for a long time. I haven't had heart knowledge very long. It's changed my life. Well, and, and I think that's uh, an epidemic in, in the Christian church oh, today. Our, our skulls are filled yes. with, with truth. Yes. But to translate it down here... And as you said a couple of minutes ago, to walk it out, to live it out, yes. is a whole nother dynamic. Yes. <clears throat> and sometimes very, very hard to cross that bridge yeah. and make that happen. And I think, uh, as you mentioned before, the evil one loves to take our past and, and try to make us define ourselves oh, absolutely. in oh, terms absolutely. of what's happened to us or what we've done or whatever. Absolutely. And <clears throat> When uh, Paul talks about the old is gone, the new has come, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't erase the past, mm-hmm. but it it, 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 it it makes the past make sense. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is what I experienced, but now I have a new way of dealing with all of that. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't erase all of mm-hmm. that. The scars aren't mm-hmm. gone, but mm-hmm. I've got a brand new way of dealing with it. I think Neil Anderson uh, in, has just done a wonderful job mm-hmm. through uh, his work. And it's very interesting how, how he progressed over the years. If you look at how he started out, you know, a very a very power encounter guy. And over the years, uh, you know, moved towards the, the truth encounter, which is a, a, just a very loving way of confronting the lies of the enemy with, uh, with truth. Well, I've got a... a Another thing that kind of disturbs me a little bit about the book, he made the comment that only about 15% of Christians know who they are in Christ. Mm-hmm. I knew all my life that there was such a thing as a victorious Christian life. I never knew I could live it. Right. And so that's kind of So I want to read you a couple quotes that talk about pain and suffering that mean a lot to me. I've heard a thought that says, the greater the pain, the greater God's purpose is in our life. Charles Stanley says, when you become consumed by God's call in your life, Everything will take on new meaning and significance. You will begin to see every facet of your life, including your pain, as the means through which God can work to bring others to himself. And so I've kinda, I think most people, and especially Christians, unfortunately, we say, uh, well, you've messed up. You can't be any good anymore because you didn't live up to the standard. Well, you know, it's interesting. You read through the Bible, just about every one of God's heroes stumbled in yeah, some way. Absolutely. And that's, that's the... the uh, the hope I have is, yeah, I stumbled, but God can use me greatly because I know what it's like to stumble and I know I don't want to do it again. You know, and I, as I listen to you guys talk about getting it from our skull down to our, our heart area, I'm wondering, people listening out there for the first time wondering how, you know, that process happens and what kind of time it takes for that to take place, it probably is different for some of us. Well, I'll be uh, 45 next month and... I'm like, man, I've wasted my life. You're just a baby. <laughs> yeah, I, I, in, a lot of way, in a lot of ways I am. But, you know, I, I just finished a book called The Seven Seasons of a Man's Life by Ed Morley, who also wrote The uh, Man in the Mirror. Man in the Mirror. Yeah. Mm. He made a comment. He says, don't try to make up for lost time. 
because God has you right exactly where you're at. And if God is is the omniscient God, he has a plan for you, and he can still use you. And so, yeah, I'm still a baby in lots of ways, spiritually, physically, in a lot of ways I am. But you know what? Um, God is preparing me for whatever's next, and so that's what excites me. Even as I sit here, I don't know what's next. I have no idea, but I know that God can use me in ways because I have certain gifts and certain abilities and certain interests and certain passions. He's going to find that for me because why put somebody that doesn't want to be something, why put him in that area if he's passionate about some other area? You know, it's been said, I'm just in the middle of baseball season here, you know, the all-star game has just taken place and all of that. And, and somebody recently said, you know, baseball is a game for old men played by young ones mm-hmm. because it's a Good. it's a thinking man's game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you've got a, a, a man on second with uh, two outs and you got a batter up to the plate, you have to be thinking about, mm-hmm. I've, I've, I've got no force out on third this time. You know, my play's going to, I mean, you have to be thinking mm-hmm. every play yeah. about what are the possibilities here. And I think that applies really, you know, sometimes to our, our Christian life in many ways. Uh, you know, when we're young, we think we have it nailed so well. And as mm-hmm. we get older, we realize, yeah. wow, I've got, I've got a lot to discover mm-hmm. about the depth of what God wants me to learn. And, you know, as you go through all these um, valleys and times of pain and suffering, you look back and you say, wow, I, I wish I had known then what I know now. And yet, you know, God wouldn't be able to use us in such powerful ways later on in our lives if we hadn't had those scars. Because then we can, as you just mentioned a few minutes ago, minister to those yeah. who are going through that same yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. And that's a, you know, there's no other, in God's economy that can happen. I know of no other religion mm-hmm. that can make that happen, that's you know, right. but, mm-hmm. but God rolling that out in real time and just miraculously using the ugly stuff that we mm-hmm. go through in life to mm-hmm. bless others. Well, when I've done a Bible study, um, I forget what it's called now, but he talked about how we are to glorify God. And I knew that God received glory, but I didn't know my life could glorify him. Mm. But now when I see that, I'm like, oh, wow. Mm. It talks about peace. Uh, you know, I'm still to some degree trying to find that peace of, of knowing where my life is going and everything. But I know in the midst of the storm, he's got me in his hand. Amen. And that's the faith that I, that I hold on to because it's easy to get very frustrated with what's going on in life. It's easy to get frustrated by distractions and disappointments. It's easy to do that. You know, God calls us to a higher purpose, a higher plan. And I'm just excited about that fact and finally knowing that he can work that through in my life. We've got more with our friend Rod Landis right after this great song from Caveman's Call. I love this. It reminds us we don't have to do it on our own. This is called Thankful, and we'll be back with more right after this.
Caveman's Call on Lighthouse Live with Pastor Mike Elaine and our very special guest this week, Rod Landis. Great song, Thankful. And we can't do it on our own. Amen. Amen. Uh, so glad to have Rod Landis with us this week. And uh, Rod, you were talking during the song about mentors and the importance of having mentors in our life. You want to speak to that? Yeah, I do. You know, um, you talk about this rejection thing. My dad was a doctor, a very good man, a very uh, honest man, I think. But uh, he didn't spend a lot of time with me as a boy. Mm-hmm. And so... And he wasn't, uh, he was an agnostic uh, most of his life, and so he didn't really teach me spiritual values and understanding. And so all my life I've been looking for a spiritual father, somebody who could teach me about God and show me. And so about a year ago in January, I got a phone call from a gentleman named uh, Vern Carson. He's 78 years old. And uh, Vern is in my father-in-law's Bible study, and we had been a prayer request. And he said, Rod, he says, I've been hearing a lot about you. So I'd kind of like to meet you. And I said, okay, well, who, who wouldn't want to, who wouldn't want to go to lunch like that? So I went to lunch with Vern and he started talking about, well, I've worked with a lot of guys over the years with navigators and with, with people at the Moore Air Force Base and kind of on and on. And I said, well, Vern, are you, you asking me if you want to do a Bible study? And he says, yeah, I think I'd like to do that. And so, uh, he and I have been meeting weekly for the last year and a half. Bible study. We've been through the whole navigator series and we're going through a book called The Peacemaker and, mm-hmm. and, uh, we've laughed and we've cried and shared stories and I've got, I've got the mentor that mm-hmm. I've been looking for. Mm-hmm. And I remember early on, he said, Rod, he says, one of my goals is to help you help other people mentor. And so I've got a couple of people that I'm mentoring myself in Bible study. A, a friend of mine, he had cancer uh, on his kidney, and so he had a kidney removed and tumor removed. And I uh, met with him, and he said, Rod, he says, I think I'm ready for that Bible study. And so as a matter of fact, tomorrow morning we're going to be going through The Measure of a Man by Gene Getz, and we're about chapter 4 or so. And already, just in a short little while of doing that, it's changed his life. Another guy I worked through and went through the bondage breaker, mm. and uh, he was living in sin at the time. And he started reading through that, and he said, all of a sudden, he said, uh, Rod, he said, i, I got to get married. And uh, so he was living with his girlfriend at the time, and they were celibate for about a uh, couple months. And then he got married, and, and it's changed. I, it's, it's, if somebody told me this before, I would, I'd laughed at him. I said, no, no way. Mm-hmm. But, I, but it, it's changed my life, and so mm-hmm. I'm committed to a, a Bible study for the rest of my life, whatever that is, and one of many people. Just Saturday, actually, I was down in Fresno for a Promise Keepers ambassador meeting. And Promise Keepers is making a big push with their organization to mentor people. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, if somebody accepts the Lord down in Fresno, that they'll, they'll give a card and they have follow-up and, and work on that. Because I've had that situation, and we as men especially, we don't want to say, well, we've got this problem or this issue. We all have the same issues. And so if we can work together with somebody, and, and it's kind of frustrating for me. Vern says, well, I've still got some of these same issues at 78. I'm like, oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it, I, he yeah. says over and over, hey, I'm with you, Rod. I'm going to work through this, and, and I'm a better man. I'm a better fu- husband. I'm a better father. I'm better everything because I have this one person standing in my, my path. And so that's made me realize the value of men. Mentorship, and I want to be that. I want to be an advocate for, advocate for kids because I think that's part of the reason that they don't do well in school or get involved in drugs and alcohol because nobody cares. Mm. No, it doesn't matter. If you have one person that cares, your life will change. And I would encourage everybody, if, if you know somebody, a kid or somebody, just call them up and say, hey, I'd like to get together with you and invest in their life. But 
if you're going to make that commitment, you got to stick with it. It can't Absolutely. be just a one shot mm-hmm. deal because that's, that's right. just another part of the uh, the problem. You got you got to really be committed to them. Well, I think the the new generations coming up are very relational. And they're looking for authenticity in relation. They're, mm-hmm. they're not looking for that, yeah. that shallow stuff. Mm-hmm. We were at a Missions Amer- Mission America conference a couple of years ago, uh, maybe a year and a half ago. And I can't remember his name, but uh, this young guy, uh, early 20s, was talking about being mentored. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we asked him, you know, we're, we're, you know, 30 years older than you are at this point. You know, what, what, at, at, in, in your age group and your generation, what are you looking for in a mentor? And he says, well, one, one of the key things he thinks for the new generations coming up is they want to choose their mentor based upon, and going back to what mm-hmm. you said a couple minutes ago, watching that person yeah. live it out. Yeah. And if it looks authentic, they'll they'll line up but if you're not walking your talk they don't want any any part of it so i i think you know part of that process is you really got to live it out in 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 a raw way and admit all the warts and all that stuff in order to uh to to attract that relationship don't you well i I, yeah absolutely i it's interesting one of my friends likes to do street preaching and pass out tracks and everything and i said you know i said hey god bless you but i said uh if I were walking by, I wouldn't buy what you're selling because I don't know you well enough, right. and I don't know yeah. what you're selling. But I said if we sat down for coffee, the first time you might interest me, and we kind of continue to do that, uh, because you've invested time in me, I'm interested in what you're selling. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what you're selling. I'm interested. But if you're just going to say, here, buy it, I'm not going to. Yeah. That's just because I'm enough of a cynic and I've been hurt enough by people like that. I'm not interested. Well, relationships take time to Oh, sure. And, sure. And, and how fast? Time. I don't know. But, but you've got to be committed to it. To, mm. And uh, I've said this a lot of times. You know, if you're not willing to go to the mat for somebody, I don't know that you're really, uh, really loving them. For example, the Good Samaritan. How many people passed the guy who needed help? And said somebody else do. I think this is from a speaking perspective. How many times we said, "Man, I wish somebody would say something." Man, I wish somebody would do something. Well, if you have that thought in your mind, I would venture to say you're the person who needs to say it, mm-hmm. and you're you're the person who needs to do it. Too often, we want somebody else to do our work yeah. that maybe God has called to us or put in our mind. And so I'm very sensitive to that and open as well through my experience. Well, we'll look in to to the lengths at which the Samaritan went. Absolutely. To take care of that man. Absolutely. I mean, it wasn't just. Yeah. You know, stopping on the road and providing some first aid and, and leaving him. I mean, he yeah. took care of his hotel room. You know, this is an, an amazing time and treasure. Thing. And yes. Abs- yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Well, I had a, uh, a former student of mine that uh, was 14th in the state of California, did, did a great job, a good kid. He's, he had a lot of trouble. And I found out about a year ago that he was on the streets. And so because I knew that kid, I was like, I want to find that kid. And so eventually I did find him and, and talked to him a little bit, and, and he's kind of backslidden and in trouble. But I, th- a lot of people say, what did you do that for, Rod? And the main reason I say is because I'd like to think that if I were on the street, somebody would come looking for me. Right. Because too often we just let it fly. We just let it slide and say somebody else will do it. Mm-hmm. But I'm just calling us to step up and say, no, you're the time to do it. And uh, not everybody can do that. And, you know, I don't have the money or the time or the energy to do it. <laughs> but if I don't do it, who is going to do right. it? There was you a know. newspaper article. It was a that. newspaper yeah, article, yeah. And, and I got, you know, a lot of opportunities through that. But it, it's it's 
it needs to be done, and especially mm-hmm. one of my kids. I, I tell my students, I say, once you've been in my class, I said, you're my, my student for the rest of your life, whether you yeah. like it or not, and, and it's had great rewards for What it. an impact that must have on that one student that you were just talking about. I'd like about. to think it's made a big impact. Mm. But I, even if it makes no impact on him, I hope it makes an impact on my people that I circle with. Yeah. Because they may have an opportunity similar to what I've had, mm-hmm. and maybe have a better opportunity to do something with it. Well, I think Elaine, that you know, we've seen that here at, at ABC. Yes. You know, yes, it, if you just give the person uh, a couch or whatever that you know that's needed, and, and let it slide there, why not much happens? But what we find is, you know, as we offer a relationship, mm-hmm. things bubble up. Mm-hmm. You know, and and no names mentioned at all, but. You know, you recently have someone who was in an abusive situation, and, and that story never would have come to light if we hadn't been willing to say, hey, we're willing to invest in you and to listen to you and, and, and we care about you. There's not a lot of that going on today. Really, a lot, of, a lot of what the world has to offer is highly superficial. Well, you know, I, I think getting back to this whole rejection issue, I've been accused a lot of being selfish and only think about myself and all that kind of stuff. And the reason it was is because I was trying to deal with my stuff, and I didn't know how, and nobody stepped in to help me. And finally, somebody stepped in to help me, and he said, hey, I'm going to stick with you until we get this thing figured out. And so I've gone, and, and so... It's interesting. Oswald Chambers made the point. He says, sometimes we have to be the Jesus that nobody else has to be, and we need to stick with them. And I've had too many people in my life say, Rod, you don't want to learn, you don't want to listen, blah, 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 blah. well, uh, <laughs> they weren't speaking my language for some reason. Yeah. And I think that the same way about kids. Um, I know a lot of teachers get frustrated with their students. And they talk about, well, Johnny, he's a terrible kid, and, oh, boy, you're going to have trouble. And I think, you know what? The reason you haven't got through to Johnny is because you keep doing it the same way. If you do teach Johnny the same way, and so the good teacher is going to say, whatever it takes, I'm going to teach this kid something, Mm. whatever Mm. it takes. And too often that takes a lot of effort on our part, and so we don't do it. Mm. And uh, it's a challenge that we've got to get out there and do it. That's right. We've got lots more right after this. Deep needs, deep hurts, spreading far beyond the government's ability to help. Children, single moms and dads, the elderly, disabled, the homeless. Yet, thousands of resources that can meet those needs are sitting right now in the pews and seats of our churches. The challenge? Activating those resources and connecting them with the people in need. We have a proven solution, advancing vibrant communities. We bridge the gap. We connect people and churches with opportunities to serve the needs of their neighbors. Pure, simple, proven effective, advancing vibrant communities. What's our motivation? Jesus' command in Matthew 22, 39, to love your neighbor as yourself. The church at large has a biblical mandate to serve the needs of the community. Advancing Vibrant Communities researches those needs, then finds volunteers with the skills and passions to meet those needs. The very first story that Mike told about ABC involves serving one of my church members whose needs I could not meet within my own community. And in that moment, God humbled me and asked me to open my heart and really listen. And as I saw the setup of the database, I realized that AVC is a wonderful partner with my own congregation. It helps us be more effective. This organization comes along and says, I'll do a lot of the groundwork and we'll discover the needs 
and then those folks in your congregation who desire to be a part and who have these skills can volunteer. AVC partners with over 80 community and government agencies to help meet the needs of the city. We network with organizations like Habitat for Humanity, the American Red Cross, Salvation Army, the Area Agency on Aging, the School District, and the Police Department. Habitat and AVC is a perfect match in that we both have common missions of helping people get out of the four walls of the church, getting out into the community and helping others. AVC serves volunteers by finding ways for them to help others. AVC serves the needy through volunteer efforts with love, grace, mercy, and compassion. AVC serves churches by augmenting efforts to reach out and meet the needs of their neighbors. AVC serves businesses by helping create healthy neighborhoods, by connecting employees with opportunities to volunteer, and by providing opportunities to donate goods and services to legitimate needs in the community. You know, some of us can do donate a little money, some a little time, some one or the other or both. It really touched my heart that these strangers were interested in me and what I needed in my life. You know, it's not only hearing it, but it's seeing them, and it's being there in person and seeing the, the need that they have and hopefully being able to do something about it. I will tell you, as you know, your chief of police in the city of Modesto, we need your help in the community making a difference. Volunteer, I know we can put you to work. And I, I promise you, if you get involved, you'll feel better. You'll be happier. How can we partner with you to meet the needs of our city? We ask you to consider monthly financial support and to help recruit more volunteers. Advancing Vibrant Communities. Faith in action. Pure, simple, proven effective. Carrying out the biblical mandate to love our neighbors as ourselves. Thank you. And we're back with you on Lighthouse Live, and we do thank you for tuning in wherever you happen to be, Pastor Mike, Elaine, and Rod Landis. You know, Elaine, as, as we're talking um, with Rod and about being a mentor, you know, that, that brings up, especially in today's rat race uh, society and, and the devaluing of the family and especially of the father role in the uh, entertainment uh, media especially, Deuteronomy 6, a very familiar chapter, I'm sure, to, to all of us, and verses 4 through 9, uh, reminds us, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your sons, and shall talk of them when you sit down in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. And you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. And you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. What a powerful picture of the responsibility of a godly dad. And, you know, I think, uh, <laughs> you know, we, we look at ourselves in, in the mirror of Deuteronomy 6, and we go, oh, man, <laughs> you know, I wish I, I, wish I had, I, you know, I, I don't know that I'm measuring up, up to this. Maybe, Rod, let's talk a little bit about how do we roll out Deuteronomy 6, 4, and through 9 there in, in today's society with all the stuff happening and all the activities our kids are involved in, all the different ways we're pulled. How do we do that in today's world? Well, that's an interesting question because 
we as Christians are expected to live the perfect Christian life. We're supposed mm-hmm. to have devotions and we're supposed to be loving all the time. We're supposed to, we're supposed to be the model. Yeah. Well, what happens if you've never had a model to follow? Hmm. I never had a father who he'd pray around the dinner table, but uh, he wasn't a spiritual leader by any sense. Yeah. So I wasn't taught how to be a man. I wasn't taught how to be a husband. I wasn't taught how to be a father. I wasn't taught how all those kinds of things. And so gradually I've had to learn just how to do it from watching other people and seeing things. And uh, I know my own weaknesses and my inadequacies, inadequacies, and so often it's easy to say, I can't do it, I'm going to quit, mm-hmm. and especially with my whole life theory about whatever I do is going to be wrong anyway. But, you know, it's interesting. I, I've, I've made it a, a practice to, to just learn as much as I can. I feel like a sponge, and, and uh, I've been doing lots of reading in Christian literature. I've read a book called The Christian Husband. I've been to a Weekend to Remember series by Family Life. I've been, had a lot of opportunities like that, and so with a lot of resources, it, it helps me. But, you know, I met a guy down in Clovis. He has a program called Battle Zone, and he mm-hmm. takes Second Timothy 2.2, which says, in the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will also be able to teach others also. And that says, is you teach somebody, and they teach somebody, and they teach somebody. And this whole business about mentorship and discipleship, it's, it's lost in a lot of churches, especially in my culture. And so it's been foreign to me, but, boy, I'm just loving it because it's changing my life. Yeah. To have other men say, well, I've had these issues too, and why don't you do this, and this is how I do it. And it's, it's just huge in in my life and and i'm i guess in a lot of ways i feel called to ministry in that way i'd love to be a professional mentor to kids or or to people who have had issues because i've had issues mm-hmm. and, and i it's something i enjoy doing anyway and i'd like to sit down with somebody and a lot of people they say well you know well, i'd be out building something tearing something down well you know what <laughs> You you can't build more than a, than a relationship one on one. I mean, that, there is huge because you're dealing with the heart, whether doing minds. And you think about uh, one thing that'll last forever is people. Yeah. Buildings will fall down, and mm. gardens will get weeds in them, and things will happen. But people, what we do with people, will invest for the rest of eternity. Absolutely, you know, and that's huge. I think. And so many of our our children, uh, and I'm sure you experienced this. I know as a as a staff pastor for a while in the marriage area that a good 50 to 60% of the marriages that were coming in were were uh, blending families mm-hmm. they were second third mm-hmm. fourth mm-hmm. sometimes fifth mm-hmm. marriages and and how these kids are supposed to yeah. learn you know when they're bouncing between houses and and you know their their lives are just full of tumult they they need some calm yes. You know, where there can be a relationship yes. and where they're not getting thumped over the head yes. with the Bible, but they're seeing it lived out in, yes. in real time. And I, I think just in, in today's culture, it's becoming more and more difficult. And so what happens is that sometimes that has to be learned on the later end of life. And that's, that's the, the, the frustration is, is it too late? Yeah. And we got to do what we can. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. I taught at Elliott for about uh, three or four months, mm-hmm. and I gave uh, two writing assignments. One was about fathers, and one was about mothers. And one, I had them write a paragraph about uh, their father, and then about the perfect father, and then what kind of parent they're going to be. And they're like, "What do I got to do this for?" One kid, I don't want to write about my dad. The perfect dad wouldn't beat his kids, wouldn't cuss his kids right. out, so I knew what kind of dad he had. Right. One girl wrote about. Uh, how her dad left the family when she was 12, been paying $500 a month child support. She said, I'd give back every dime to have a relationship with my dad. Oh, and when I see that, I say, man, that's powerful yeah, for is. me as a dad and for everybody else as a dad. And so every mm-hmm. opportunity I get to speak, I say, parents, tell your kids you love them. Yeah. Tell, tell them that you're there. 
uh, then I taught them to talk about mothers, uh, talk about uh, the, their mother, perfect mother, and then what you'd like to ask your mother, but you don't know how or afraid to. Mm. And about a third of them said, well, you know, why you stick around with this guy? Why'd you leave my dad? Those kinds of things. But the one that gets me every time is a boy said, I want to know if you're proud of me. Wow. I'd love yeah. to ask her that question, but I don't know how. Mm. Because he's failed so often, he right. knows he's a failure. But he doesn't know if his mom's proud of him. So mm. any parent out there, if you haven't told your <laughs> your kid you love him, tell him you love him and tell yeah. him you're proud of him because it will change their life. I'm That's sure. right. Yeah. Rod, we're running out of time, but speak real quickly on forgiveness, please. Oh, well, I've had a lot of people that I've had to forgive, and I've had to be forgiven myself, and it, it's, it's huge. Uh, I realize that I've been in spiritual bondage for most of my life, partly because I was bitter at people. And uh, as I let those things go, all of a sudden, God's been able to speak to me in ways I never knew that he could speak to me. And I see him as a loving and forgiving God. And they think about the uh, the, the unjust servant. You know, he's, he had this uh, big debt that he had to pay back. And then somebody owes him something. He's all over him. It's not even half of it. And that's the, the forgiveness that God gives to us. Uh, through his mercy and through his grace, and he's allowed us to be. But rather than holding the hammer over our head, he he has us in his hand, and he wants to love us and and make us gracious and give us heavenly places. And that's huge for a Christian, I think. And so if we're out there trying to live the life, just just allow it to happen. Accept what already has happened and just rejoice in it. And that's that's my story. I'm sticking to it. (laughs) (laughs) Very quickly, Rod, how can we pray for you in the the closing moments here? Well, you know, obviously pray for for my family and my wife and for me. And and I'm in a real interesting uh, step in my life. And as I don't know what the future holds, I have no idea. But I know that God's preparing me for something great, whatever that is. I'd love to be an international speaker. I'd love to write a book. There's a lot of things I'd love to do. But uh, just pray that God will be use me to his glory and that I will be um, available and open to whatever he has a plan for me. Amen. I want to thank you, dear brother, for sharing a part of your evening with us. Thank you, dear friends, for listening in. Don't forget to join us next week. Very special friend Dennis Lopez will be joining us, so tune in for that. Thanks for tuning in this week. Have a great week ahead, and may God continue to bless you as you reach out and love your neighbors as you love yourselves. <laughs>